You're listening to Beyond Synth, the best synthwave chat show there is. Hey there, welcome to the show. This is Beyond Synth, episode 313, and on today's show, hey, lucky people, you get two guests for the price of one, actually, technically three, because first up, we'll be talking to Jose and Adir from Rewind Games, and they've made a game called Tanuki Sunset, which kind of has some uh, synthwave-inspired visuals. It's about a raccoon. Well, you know what? We'll we'll just tell you all about it when we actually talk to them, but their game is uh, currently out on Steam called uh, Tanuki Sunset, and it is also coming to consoles soon so we're going to talk to them and then we're going to catch up with yota that's right because we talked to her last year and that was before she put out her album lucid dreams and so uh, she's back on the show to talk about that and a bunch of other silly things and so that's what we are going to do so how about we get the show kicked off let's listen to a track and then we'll just jump right into things all right so i got a cool one here from favorite 89 from the album the beginning and it is brought to you by my awesome patreon supporters i have to say there was a clerical error last week and i forgot to mention city hunter the coolest guy in town so this is just a friendly reminder that city hunter is indeed the coolest guy in town i'm gonna be honest with you you know how sometimes it seems like since i read the patreon names every week that i have them memorized and while I do have them memorized. Sometimes I am so tired that I just read the list like a robot, and then I only realize after I've published the show that it's like, oh my god, like the name was put in a different column and I forgot to say it. Anyways, look, the point is, okay, that there's all these cool people, including brand new patron Jonathan Harden in the $10 Club. Jonathan Harden is a cool guy. You'd better believe it, because I believe it, because everyone who supports Beyond Synth is a cool person, and Jonathan Harden is definitely one of those. And of course, Robocock, who upgraded his support. Can't forget about Robocock. And, uh, I never will. I don't... (laughs) Anyway, let's listen to a track, okay? This is Favorite 89 with Years.
And that was Years by Favorite 89 from the album The Beginning. And that, of course, was brought to you by my awesome Patreon supporters. Of course, the most epic kings of the Pattersons, like Mr. Chris Dance and Mr. Mike Shima. You guys are absolutely amazing, and I want you to know it. I appreciate you. And also, Mystery Donor... And of course, my buddies in the Kroner Club, Hampus ML and Emil. So how about this? Let's just get right into it because we got lots of people to talk to today. So we are going to chat now with the guys from Rewind Games and talk about Tanuki Sunset. So let's do it. All right. Well, I am here with the boys from Rewind Games or the men. Are you men? <laughs> I want to consider a- myself one, but I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure of it. Of mine, at least. I don't know what the airs, but I'll respect, you know. <laughs> I'll go with guys, maybe guys from Rewind. Does that sound good? <laughs> All right, sounds good to me. All right. I'm here with the guys from Rewind Games, Jose and Adir. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah, that's good. When I say Jose, am I saying that right? I'm saying it more like with like an H sound. Am I doing it wrong? That's no, that's perfect. <laughs> Sometimes some people add like a sort of like a ho, like a like that kind of sound to it. I don't know if I'm supposed to do that. Yeah, I know uh, this wasn't part of the recording, right? But there was uh, a discussion that I change names all the time and it's partly related. Are you like a super villain? Maybe. <laughs> Definitely. Uh, or a spy. Yeah, but you got to stay in the shadow, so I can't really confirm any of that. Yeah, that's true. Well, okay. Well, then we'll just we'll just go with Jose for now. In the emails when we were talking uh, back and forth, there was also Chema was a name. I don't know what that's about. Oh, so that's <laughs> my nickname because my real name is Jose Maria, and uh, people that are called Nicholas usually people just call them Nick. So uh, in Spain and Mexico, if your name is Jose Maria, they just shorten it to Chema for some reason. So that's how I was known during like university. Uh, and now that I'm like part of a bigger company, then uh, everybody's just calling me Jose. So I got to keep <laughs> it in rain somehow. Unless he goes to Starbucks and then uh, he needs to change to Joe. Oh, yeah. <laughs> because uh, they get confused there. It's totally right. I need to. What is it? Hussein, they called you all the time? Hussein? Hussein on the cup. Yeah. Would you, did you say Jose Maria like that? Uh, well, you say Jose Maria. In the most like Spanish neutral. Name. How do you spell that? It's Jose, just like uh, like that, and then Maria. So that's one name. Like Maria's not the last name. That's actually one long name. Exactly. Like, like uh, and it wouldn't make sense that my name would be Maria since I'm uh, a man. So, <laughs> I'm a boy. <laughs> really. We we did establish that earlier in the program. That's good. So that name gets shortened to Chema, and that's just like how it happens in Spain? Exactly. And that's like kind of what got carried over from like the university years. So there's like a group of people that call me Chema that are usually very related to that time in my life. So, you know, I don't hate it. I actually like the name changing from time to time. Well, it keeps things fresh, right? You get to reinvent yourself. Totally. Yeah, it's very flexible. (laughs) Multiple personalities. All right. Let's, I guess, get into it here. So where are you located? Like, are you guys in the same city right now or are you... Yeah, yeah, yeah. We've been working on this and we're still both here in Vancouver, in British Columbia, Canada. It's pretty nice. Do you live there full time? Yeah, yeah. We moved to Vancouver, I think, about nine years ago. Something like that. It was uh, 2013. Together? Well, at the same time, not together. We moved to Vancouver to join a school called the Vancouver Film School. 
to study video game design. And uh, that's where we met. So then, Adir, where are you from originally? Originally, I'm from Israel. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. So then you meet up at this school. Wait, so the film school has a video game program? Yeah. Yep, yep. Did you learn anything? Uh, <laughs> You know, it was good experience, let's say it like that. Well, you made a friend, right? So that's good. <laughs> yeah, there's so much they can teach you about making a video game in one year. So luckily for us, we came prepared, you know, with some knowledge before. It's way more about what you put in that, than when you get out. Mm -hmm. And I think that, like, you know, back then we definitely wanted to prove something or, or like that was the feel to me, you know, like I had so much I wanted to download on like a computer and, and that was just a perfect excuse to stay in there and like learn all that and then in the end yeah it's all about who you know and, and the friends you made so. mm -hmm. no I, I totally agree because I went to a film school and that's pretty much what I got out of it was just sort of making connections and friends because all the jobs I got after school were all based on just the people I knew more so than how good I was Mm -hmm. yeah. It was more just like you make friends and and show to other people that you're not a piece of shit <laughs> and that you can actually work well with others or that you have a skill. And that goes so much further because I know when we were in school, there were some people who were competent, but they were jerks. Yeah. So no one wanted to work with them. And so like I th a lot of it is just those interpersonal skills. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You'd figure in a video game design school also the people are not very... Uh, good at socializing. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't want to say it. Yeah, no, it, uh, it's, it goes without saying. But uh, yeah, so a lot of people definitely had to open up and learn. Like, you know, most of the classes were not even about like making a game. It was just about opening up, um, you know, ha getting uh, skills to present and, uh, and just stand in front of like a class and just like, you know, tell your ideas and stuff like that. Which is great. Yeah. Uh, yeah, like they really get you out there doing what you need to do. But it was funny also, right? Remember ba back then going out? Oh, that's uh, Lola, my bird. I'm sorry if it's too loud. Um, what is that? It's, it's, that is my budgie, Lola. <laughs> and he just woke up right now. I don't know too many people with birds. <laughs> now you know one. I, I always find it interesting when people have birds. I've always, I haven't had a pet, like I got kids now, so I haven't had a pet in like 10 years. <laughs> now the kids are getting older to the point where I think they want one, and I've been looking at like animal shelters and stuff, but I've always been more of a cat guy, and I don't think you can have both at the same time. Wait, both you mean a cat and a bird, or yeah. a cat and a child? Well, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> cat and a bird. Gotcha. I think I meant a cat and a bird, yeah. All right. Well, I mean, I guess I've never seen, because sometimes I'll scroll through Instagram, and you know those videos where like weird animals get along with each other? I always like, you know, like a, a dog nestling with a cat and stuff, but... <laughs> Well, I understand exactly what you mean. <laughs> I love those videos, but I, I don't think I've ever seen a cat and a bird getting along. I wonder if that happens. I have, I have. I, I also fell down like a, the, the bird section of that Instagram. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and I made an account just for Lolo so that I can, uh, you know, keep like a record of him and like all his toys. And it's been pretty fun, I must say. Nice. But I have seen, you know, some cats and, and some... Uh, parrots hang out especially when the parrots are not too small like budgies like a budgie is too small probably for a cat but like yeah. you have a meat parrot you can for sure have them play along and all <laughs> as long as he can't fit it in his mouth completely yeah <laughs> i think it should be okay 
<laughs> yeah, I guess if the bird is big enough and it, it has a, enough of it, like an imposing threat mm-hmm. over the cat, that maybe they can sort of work out some kind of agreement. <laughs> some kind of agreement is like some, you know. Some <laughs> well, look, I guess we should probably talk about your game, or maybe like uh, forming a small company or something. Like, I do actually really find it interesting because I don't often have game designers on the show, but uh, I want to listen to a song first. Right on. All right, so I uh, I got a fun one here from Symmetry Theory and. It's brought to you by my awesome Patreon supporters. We got Tim Carlton and the $50 Club, the man who made the Cisco Hold music. We've got my semi-sonic friend, Jacob Wick, with the 4488. And, of course, City Hunter, the coolest guy in town. And uh, I hope you all dig this. This is Symmetry Theory with Off the Record.
And that was Symmetry Theory with Off the Record. And of course, that was brought to you by my lovely Patreon supporters. Well, we got uh, Brandon Decker with the 3389, Retro Serenade with the 3333, and Mr. Magoo Samurai with the 33. And I'm back here with the guys from Rewind Games. We're talking about film school and doing uh, video game courses and making friends. And uh, you guys made friends. What year did you guys go to? What year did you take the course? 2013, I think it was. Yeah, 2013 to 14. So did you guys make like this sort of connection in school where you're like, all right, we're going to make games together? Or did it sort of like happen after school, but you remained connected or what was the deal i think the deal during that period there was many times opportunities to sit down and just make new games mm-hmm. and ultimately that's what we wanted to do the most uh, dear and i so we found ourselves constantly on those activities right like uh, making teams together mm-hmm. so then over time you find this like rhythm of working together like not, it's a nice complement of like skill set and there's like a nice medium language that that I can tell like oh if we can do this and split it this way and then put it back together mm-hmm. and then it just works so yeah I think that's kind of how it started and then it just made sense at the end I mean we didn't really started working on this immediately after graduating that video game design school we kind of each went our own way. We remained friends, of course. We always hang out. But we each just went to our own separate companies on the mobile games industry, which is probably bigger here in Vancouver uh, than, you know, consoles or, like, regular games. So, yeah, that's how I see it all, like, started. Yeah, we worked well together. We were both very quick, and we have, like, a, a varied skill sets. So together we can achieve something very quickly. And we noticed that right from the beginning, we started doing a lot of game jams during uh, the time at school. Uh, If you don't know what the game jam is also, just for people that don't know, it's basically like a game making competition that lasts like a weekend, basically. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, I think that's eight hours uh, to just sit down and hammer like a game. Yeah, just a quick game in a weekend. So yeah, that was like one of the things we, we liked doing a lot. Do you drink energy drinks? <laughs> oh boy. In game jams, you like, you have to? Well, you don't have to, but it's, I guess, part of the tradition. Because I, <laughs> I found, it's weird, like, I've only had energy drinks a few times in my life. I, I associate it with these sorts of events, mm-hmm. and I don't like the feeling of it. Oh, no, it's terrible. Like, I mean, I know what it's like to have, like, a big caffeine buzz, but I found the feeling of energy drinks is this really weird, artificial, sort of wide awake, but tired at the same time. It makes me feel like that feeling when you've stayed up all night, and you get that second wind at, like, you know, like, 9 or 10 in the morning, where you feel awake again because you haven't slept in a day that's what those drinks do to me oh yeah aren't gems wonderful (laughs) i mean it was you know now i don't think i can do that anymore like but back then when we were like young and hungry for the jobs (laughs) you know you do what you gotta do (laughs) but yeah now i don't think i can i can stomach an energy drink anymore definitely a metabolism ability yeah Mm -hmm. Uh, (laughs) yeah like back then you you know you just drink that monster can and then you put out code you laugh so much with everybody like like (laughs) all the bugs that you're inputting to the system you know it all goes wrong and it's hilarious you're learning so much 
it's so fun. It really is. And, and, and that's what I like the most about it. But it definitely has this, you know, high cost the next day. And then you, you still have things to do. It's not for everyone. And, and, and it's like this marathonic, multidisciplinary event. So it's kind of like a triathlon. I see it that way, it, like obsessive. And, and, and you can do a lot of damage. You know, you, you got to yeah. drink water. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Stay hydrated. What would you say then your your skill sets are because uh, you know Adir you were saying you sort of you both sort of come at this with slightly different sort of skill sets that you work together with so what are your functions so basically like in the gaming industry it's divided to artists so you have like 3d artists you have 2d artists you have uh, programmers that is also divided to gameplay programmers backend programmers you know sound editors, all that stuff. So uh, usually if you work at a big company, one skill set is is what you would want, right? Like you would want to be a 3D artist, artist that specifies in one thing. But I think the, the reason we were like we worked well like in, in the game jams is because we came into the, the Vancouver film, film School with more than like one skill set. So for me, I would say it's 3D, like 3D art, 2D and as I went along with the game design program, I actually learned a lot of programming and started getting into gameplay programming. A little bit of sound editing as well. How about you, Jose? At the beginning, I wanted to be a 3D modeler. I started university finishing up an animation and digital art program. And that lasted four years, but it was really, you know, all the all these foundations of Photoshop and, and all of this, like now, I'm pretty sure like everybody dealing with a computer now has all of these skills but but that was the, my first intention and then it all kind of started shifting uh, as i started acquiring mastery over unity which is the engine that that i use the most for like making video games and and i just like a deer i started getting more familiar with the programming aspect of it and it's very useful learning programming and going like down that path opens many things in terms of efficiency and automation so i i, I kind of started getting dragged over there and so then i switched uh, uh, like mind and, and and I told myself I'm just gonna become like a programmer. But I, I it was rough to uh, reel myself back and then kind of see the big picture. So I've kind of remained into this multi-role, a hybrid, you know, where I'm also kind of a producer and like you know I I send emails to other people. And at the same time, I try to project manage and, and talk to a deer. What do we need to do and set ourselves some goals? And at the same time, we I go with a deer down to the code as well. And I really like to focus on animation and uh, like all the menus in the game, like how you interact with a button. When you click a button, you have to make it juicy so that it's very fun to like press that button and make an audio. I'm, I'm, I'm all about that. Mm -hmm. So I guess it, it all really started, you know, cooking even before, you know, school and all that. Like we all had like all of these like skill sets going on, just seeking what we were good at. And now, like, you know, when we finally started this game, I think that's when we said, all right. That's when uh, everything came together, I would say. Yeah. Well, how about this? Let's listen to a song and then actually talk about the game. <laughs> people are probably just sitting there like what the time. hell are they talking about so the game is called uh, tanuki sunset it's got a fun soundtrack and i thought maybe we'd play uh, a few tracks from the soundtrack itself now this was one i dug from uh, uh nonato music 
which is a track called Sliding on the Edge, and then in brackets, Retro, because I like this one because it kind of had sort of a Sonic vibe to it. Oh. <laughs> kind of reminded me of like the old Sonic games, yeah. and so uh, I dig it. So let's listen to that, and then we'll actually talk about this game. And of course, this song is brought to you by my fantastic Patreon supporters. We got the amazing Jedi Master, Hugh Hefner. And then, of course, in the $25 Club, we got Mr. Clint Dowling, a star apart, Alex Selickson, and Blake Peterson, and and this is Nanato Music with Sliding on the Edge, the retro version. And that was Nanato Music. Nana- Am I saying that right? Nanato. Yeah. Nanato. Yeah, Nanato Music. Nanato Music. Nanato uh, with, <laughs> with the track Sliding <laughs> on the Edge, uh, the retro version. And that, of course, is from the uh, Tanuki Sunset video game soundtrack. And I'm chatting right now with the, the gentleman 
from uh, Rewind Games who made this game, and so maybe we should actually talk about the the game. I don't know who wants to go first. Tell me what the hell Tanuki Sunset is. <laughs> Do you want to go, Gemma? Sure, I'll give it a shot. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> give, give it a shot. <laughs> well, Tanuki Sunset is a game about a skateboarding raccoon. His name is Tanuki, although he is clearly a raccoon, and and it's all happening in this island called Sunset Island. Uh, this raccoon has, you know, uh, a dream of appearing on his favorite skating magazine. And he's heard that the only way of doing that, you know, is like somewhere on this island. So this is what this game is all about. What is a tanuki in real life? A tanuki is, you know, really a cousin, right, of, of a raccoon from Japan. Uh, it's called a raccoon dog. And, and it's very, like, intricate, like, with the stories of Japan proper. Because I, we all know Tanuki Suit from Super Mario 3, but it's, you know when you you have a word that's just been in your head your whole life, <laughs> and you never once questioned it? And so for me, ever since, you know, 1989, or whenever the hell Super Mario 3 came out, I've always known Tanuki, the Tanuki Suit, and it turns Mario into a statue, and I've never once... <laughs> Until the year 2022, just now, actually ever asked the question, what the hell a tanuki is? <laughs> a statue? Isn't the tanuki suit the one that gives him the tail that you can uh, flick and, and hover? No, because that's the raccoon suit. And the tanuki suit turns him into a statue. And you only get it, like, once or twice. So it feels like it's like a special one. Like, when I was a kid, I always wanted to get the tanuki suit. <laughs> just because it's very rare. It's sort of like the frog suit. Yeah. You know, there's only, like, one or two levels where you actually get it. But you get the raccoon suit, like, every two seconds. Anyway. It looks not like the raccoon tail. But, but it's more like a onesie. Right. Yeah, it's like, it, I always thought it was a bear. I think they brought it back in the new Mario game. That's like the invincibility suit when you... Because my daughter is playing a Mario 3D world. And so if you die a whole bunch of times, they give you like an invincibility suit that kind of help you get through the level. Right. Yeah. Anyway, what am I... <laughs> Just thought you should know. <laughs> All right, so talk more about Tanuki Sunset. So... He is a Tanuki, and his name is Tanuki, or his name is Tanuki, and he's a raccoon? The second one. Okay. Yes, his name is Tanuki, he's a raccoon. He arrives to Sunset Island to get on the cover of, of his favorite skating magazine. And uh, the way to do that is by skating down a legendary trail in Sunset Island. When I say skating, it's not like skateboarding, regular uh, Tony Hawk kind of tricks. It's more of a downhill longboard, like drifting game. You're going downhill, you try to go fast, you drift around tight corners, there's some ramps, you can do tricks. Uh, as the game goes, you unlock new mechanics that you can do, as, uh, like you can jump, you can flip on your board, collect bits, gain speed, you know, near misses, all the good stuff. If you played like SSX Tricky or like these type of games, you might be familiar with the, with the style. Is Rewind Games just the two of you or is there like other people involved? No, it's just the two of us. It's just the two of us. You're seeing the whole company. Yeah. So then how long does a project like this take? With just two guys. The development to get to the point where we could launch the full game on Steam took us about a year and a half. 
if I'm not mistaken? It was like one year. But I would say we already started with a prototype that we've been discussing on and off mm-hmm. for like three months, like before that, right? Yeah. So since it's just the two of you, is it difficult landing on an idea for a game that you both agree on? Oh, yeah. Because mm-hmm. I, I know like if you're working in like a big company, I guess the one advantage if you're just a cog in the machine is when the people just come down and go, you're making Tom Clancy 6 and it's not up to you. But if it's just the two of you and you have sort of like equal say, yeah. like how long does the conversation go like, well, I want to make a, you know, like a shooting game. I want to make a racing game. And it's like, you know. Well, that's the thing. It, it didn't happen in, a, in one meeting. It didn't happen on a point in which we didn't have anything at all. And then we said, okay, we can now finally start working on a game. It was more like this is what we used to do all the time, always. We were constantly going on these game jams that we mentioned at the beginning. So it was constant practice to just, you know, hang out, watch YouTube, and sometimes somebody would say, hey, what about a game? And I guess Adir was bringing this up for a long time. I remember, like, he he had this will of wanting to make a longboarding game for, like, a while. And and then there, there were just many conversations about, like, Okay, if we were to do that, what kind of character would you, you do? And mm-hmm. then at some point we imagined, oh, what about a serial, you know, mascot? Or like something like like an animal that we like a lot and we happen to like raccoons a lot. And like it's also a Vancouver <laughs> animal. I don't know, it's like I, a Western. I saw a raccoon like on the street yesterday, actually, <laughs> in Vancouver. Yeah, no, they get so big here. Like I don't think people mm-hmm. totally understand because I'm in Toronto and like... Mm-hmm. There are times where, like, there's raccoons that are like little bears. They just get so much garbage to eat over here, and they make the craziest sounds. Yeah, yeah. But they are so cute, though. Yeah. Well, they got them little hands, right? Yeah, they got little thumbs. (laughs) (laughs) Well, what's the deal, then? A deer. You like longboarding or what? So, yeah, I like like longboarding. I like cruising, basically. Like, uh, I I don't do downhill longboard myself. I'm, I'm too much of a chicken for that. But just like, you know, regular cruising. I used to skate as a kid. And then, like, you know, as I kind of, like, grew up, I took it more chill. So I'm just, like, I have, like, my cruiser here. And once in a while, I go I go out just for, like, a skating session. But basically, I, I also kind of looked at the market and looked at, you know, I, I don't know if you've ever seen those uh, YouTube videos of people going downhill, you know, with those gloves that have pucks on their hands. And then when they, when they drift around the corner, like, very quick, going down a mountain... Sometimes like sparks come out of their gloves and stuff like that. So those videos are always like really cool in my opinion. So uh, I looked into it and I noticed that there aren't any games that uh, try to emulate that feeling, you know, like try to emulate that sense of speed, like in that particular sport. And at the time also, I was really into watching like a lot of skate videos, like different games and stuff like Skate 3. There was a lot of cool videos coming out. Uh, there was a game called Descenders I really enjoyed, which is kind of like a downhill biking game, Super Flight. So, you know, I, I, I figured, like, I enjoy those kind of games. I would like to try to make some, like, it actually, the prototype started more of kind of like a downhill longboard simulator. And then it, it just evolved to be more of like a cartoony 90s feel, you know, more like Sonic, like you said. Well, look, I want to I hear more about uh, sort of the actual process of, of making something like this. But I want to listen to a track first, <laughs> and then we'll keep talking. So this uh, is a cool tune from Shades of Thunder from the album Flight of Fancy. And it's brought to you by my marvelous Patreon supporters in the $25 
club like Cargo Cult Luau, Eurobeat Intensifies, Honeybeard, Jimmy the Hut, and Joey Richards. And this is Shades of Thunder with Laid Back Lane.
And that was Laid Back Lane by Shades of Thunder. And it was brought to you by my terrific Patreon supporters in the $25 club like Johnny Five, Kempson, Ken Juru, Neverman, and Restless Nights. And we're back right now with the guys, the gentlemen from Rewind Games, uh, Jose and Adir, talking about Tanuki Sunset, the game. Jose, you mentioned that you, you like making games in Unity. Is that what engine is powering this one? Yeah, I do. I enjoy making games in Unity. I happen to work now for Unity. The engine that we made Tanuki in, which confirms your question about <laughs> Tanuki using Unity, they also happen to, they just hired me last year to be part of their software engineering team. So I'm pretty excited about that. But yeah, as you can see, I, I'm very involved with, with the software, with the platform, and I really want to, you know, get to know it even better and get more expertise on it. I, I believe it is a good tool for this kind of environments. I never think about that. Like, we always acknowledge, like, the work and the amount of people that make the actual games using these tools and programs and engines to make them, but I never think about the people who make the tools themselves. <laughs> you know, like, there's got to be just a big team of developers just making and updating Photoshop, you know? But I never think about them. But but what actually goes on? Like, so if you're working at Unity, is it just a lot of bug fixing? I feel like it would just be a lot of bug fixing. <laughs> yeah, well, games are complex. They have a lot of moving parts, you know, and you gotta know a little bit of everything because you gotta put audio in it and images and video sometimes and make it all move on a screen. So all of that uses a lot of, like, different let's say like if you think of it as a like as an animal like every organ like the eyes and like every like specialized so in a game engine you have like the renderer and you have you know the part that draws everything on the screen you have the part that takes all the scripting and optimizes it or many other things so i think what you really do on the job is you are given an area of, of like that company uh, because unity is huge they they don't only make the engine they also you know provide like all of this back-end platforms like a store front you know uh, and and like a third party whole marketplace that you can go and like get assets and whether or not that's like a part of a good process on game creation it's a different question and a different topic which is huge I believe but the point is that it's very wide and you can do many things in there and as you say it's really all about bugs and many game developers that work with Unity will tell you, you know, there's room for improvement on many little things about the engine. And as a programmer, that's, I guess, where, where you want to be solving problems, making things work mm -hmm. better. I'll let you be a, a pitch man now. I'm about to go make a game. Why should I use Unity, man? <laughs> there's all these other engines out there I can use. I can make meta people or whatever the hell they're doing over there. <laughs> what do you say is like the strength of Unity if you're going to sell somebody on like, here's why you should build your game using Unity. I mean, yeah, I must say that uh, as, as an employee, you know, all my views are my own. Mm -hmm. I don't speak for the company at all. I want to follow that up with mentioning that, you know, there's many other engine options. Like you have Unreal and you have like Godot as well, which is really cool because it's like trying to be open source, like down to the very core. And so I, I would say for Unity specifically, I think there's much of the heavy lifting being done. And in particular, just to try to rein this back to Tanuki, you know, we chose this because 
we wanted to make the game that eventually could make it into consoles, for example, right? And we also wanted to, like, our own philosophy, our game, like, creative process needs to be flexible enough so that if it's not doing well on the money side, well, you could pivot and then, like, have that game that you already have running and then put it on a phone on the mobile store. Like, that's ultimately what our expertise was first on the industry. So uh, with Unity, you can do this easily. You know, you can make any game and export it to the platform that you want. And so far, we have only done it for Steam. Like, Tanuki Sunset is only right now on Steam. But uh, we're looking forward, right? We're very excited that we are having Xbox and PlayStation versions soon. And and I don't know about, like, specific release dates, but uh, we're looking for somewhere very soon at the year, right? Yeah, I would say maybe maybe in a month or so, we'll have um, all the versions coming out for the Switch, PlayStation, and Xbox. It's very exciting. Right, so you're saying then like Unity Engine just allows, like the conversion process is just a lot simpler? I would say so, yeah. Yeah. I would say Unity uh, fits... Uh, smaller games better than some of the other bigger uh, engines like Unreal, for example. Unreal uh, focuses a lot on like realism and it, it's very it's very much like Lego, but for realism, uh, like Unreal. Like you can take pieces that look great together and are functional and put them together, but sometimes it lacks personality. And if you want to give it that personality, it's a, it's a lot of extra work in one of those engines. In Unity, it's a little more bare bones right off the bat, but I think it's easier for small developers to get stuff up and running very quickly. So for a small studio, it's very good for prototyping, I would say. So what do you guys need in order to transfer the game to like a PlayStation and an Xbox and a Switch? Like, can you do all that in the computer and like just emulate like here's how it will work on a Switch or you guys need like development kits or like... How does that work, like, now? Yeah, you do You do need development kits, so you do need to contact the companies that you want to release the game on their platforms and, uh, you know, establish a relationship and purchase a development kit and do all the testings. Fortunately for us, we were approached by a publisher from the U.S. called Digerati, and they offered us to help with the game publishing on all the platforms, basically. So, so they are taking care of some of the ports, and we're taking care of some of the ports and it's kind of a collaborative effort right now. Like it was all new to us at the beginning. Like at least for me, it was exciting. I, I remember like if I was excited about a specific singular event that would happen at some point, <laughs> it was exactly that one of like, how yeah. does it look to call Nintendo yeah. and tell them, right, we got a game for you. We got a game. <laughs> how does that work? And yeah, it's it's a similar process to like how you do anything like with Google devices right like Android and iPhone Uh, except like it's just hidden like they just need you to register in a very specific way and then they make you sign a a lot of you know things you're not supposed to tell because of course these are like industries (laughs) (laughs) so how long do you actually like is there such thing as like renting a dev kit like do you only really need it for the process of converting the game for the platform or do you need to like hang on to the dev kit to like do bug things and fixes later like yeah yeah they might be companies that will rent you a dev kit but usually you buy it from them you know you buy it from Nintendo and and they used to be very very expensive like for the N64 and all those like a dev kit would be on the thousands of dollars and and it's only recently with the Switch specifically for Nintendo. I think Xbox, of course, and Sony have known this before. 
they they're giving more access. Like I think it was all inspired because of like Apple Store and how they were just pretty much opening their licensing to anybody. So that's what I think they're trying to follow now. Do they look weird? Like when you get like a Switch dev kit, like does it like a weird looking box or does it just look like a Switch with like a different plug? It's a regular Switch, just yeah. a regular looking Switch, yeah. <laughs> I guess I'm still picturing the past, you know, like I'm like 40. I grew up, uh, you know, playing the old systems and the N64 and stuff like that. And so whenever I would see pictures, it always looked like this weird unit, you know, you got this special yeah. thing. But now it just isn't that way. Recently, like I remember the PlayStation had like PlayStation 5 before it came out. There were all those leaks of the dev kit looking like a toilet. Remember that? <laughs> yeah, there was that toilet looking dev kit for PlayStation 5. Everybody thought that that was what the system was going to look like. <laughs> <laughs> Luckily, it didn't. Yeah. Well, look, uh, let's let's listen to another track here and then we'll keep talking. <laughs> so, of course, we're, we're talking about Tanuki Sunset. So let's actually play the track. There's a track called Tanuki by Dan Mason. And uh, let's listen to that and then we'll uh, we'll keep chatting.
All right, and that was Tanuki by Dan Mason from the Tanuki Sunset soundtrack. The video game about a longboarding raccoon, correct? Right, and on Tanuki, no, it's Sunset <laughs> Island. Am I getting this right? Yeah, Tanuki Sunset on Sunset yeah. Island. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> when you guys started putting the game together, then at what point do you start getting the music together? Because I know you you've got some artists here making music specifically for the game. And there's also some like kind of stock synthwave sort of uh, tracks on the album as well. So, how does that process work? When we started working on the game, when we had like a prototype running, and then we started talking about you know, so what's the character? What's the vibe? What's the style? And then slowly we started building up like that synthwave art style and vibe to the game. And actually, before we started full production on the game, we released a demo version on a website called itch.io. So it's basically a platform for indie games. So we released a, like a free version that it's like a, a very small slice of the game just to see how it goes, you know. And uh, then based on that version, actually, we got like really good reception. Like we opened the Discord for Tanuki and a lot of people joined and uh, the reviews were, were very fun. People really enjoyed the game. We got some fan art sent to us about Tanuki doing all weird stuff. <laughs> <laughs> So together with that, we actually, we were approached by Nonato. He's a guy from Brazil. Actually, he approached us and he said like, yo, I really like your game. I make music and I think I have a cool idea for how I can spin the main song that you have currently in the game and make it unique for you. So we actually, yeah, so we, we got in touch with him. We talked to him. And as we started working on the full game, he made like about five songs for us, I think, to go in the game. Pretty much half the soundtrack, mm -hmm. most of it, yeah. And that's that's pretty much how we got also the, the other artists like... Some people that enjoyed the, the game or enjoyed the demo that we put on Itch, they approached us and they said, hey, I, I'm a music creator. I would like to help as much as I can. And uh, we went from there. We approached some as well. Like, yeah. We found yeah. Nonato on the Itch.io discussion mm -hmm. forums for developers, which was like a very fortunate find, of course. And, and, and we continue to work with him. Uh, he's from Brazil and, and, you know, he's really made so much great work with us that we want to continue working with him. And Dan Mason, we approached as well. It was like a good contact when it comes to Synthwave and like the vibe that we wanted to paint into the music, into the game and, and all this feeling, you know, like Dan got exactly mm -hmm. what we were trying to communicate with all this so we were really excited to have him as part of the game so then yeah. when you're doing the conversion to different platforms do like unique problems crop up when you go like oh like we're doing the conversion and for some reason like on the xbox one the the music stops and there's a thing you have to fix like does, does that kind of stuff happen oh yeah oh yeah yeah all the time yeah all the time we are dealing with that right now it's not necessarily the music that is a problem but there's many uh little things that you know you think they're not that important and and sometimes the developer like you know someone like Nintendo demands you that you need to add it to the game things that for example when you play a game that say when you see this icon it means we're saving some of that is part of a guideline that you have to follow mm -hmm. so and, and usually you don't know all of them so it's just part of a submission process that they have to certify you yeah. and it's all called certification yeah it's all about like finding those bugs and, and trying to to get everything together so as game developers then how much sympathy do you have 
for like say like the company that did the port of the Grand Theft Auto Definitive Edition. <laughs> when you see a story like that, where does your mind go? Do you just do you, do you feel bad because you know like how the behind the scenes work? My heart goes to the developers. Yeah, because I know yeah they're just following instructions. And as far as I know, the, the main thing was that it, it's such an old code base that was made originally for the PlayStation 2 and everybody knows that but they use like all the work that they had done for mobile already which kind of like already slashed many other things that I, I believe they just had to reconstruct mm -hmm. so I, I think the main problem really is about not understanding the complexity of your product at the very top yeah. and that's such a challenge in this industry because like you know the people that are handling the product are not necessarily the people that are making the decisions and, and they can change at all times and they don't know how easy it is to do things so for somebody you know dealing with the entire plumbing mm. system of like like a PlayStation 2 era thing and then having that into an, something an Android can run and then like adapting it so that the Switch can like run it it's like a technical marvel yeah, you know yeah, yeah. however you're gonna run into so many little things that are gonna creep up like we see I can promise you also that the developers themselves knew that it needs a little bit more time in the oven but it's the higher ups that you know like considering how much money like uh, Rockstar has also they could have probably delayed the release by a little bit, but that's just business. I mean, I always feel bad for the workers because obviously all the stupid decisions happen at the top. Like, mm -hmm. you know, like I, I got the stupid Grand Theft Auto day one, which was a mistake. <laughs> but I also, I just started, for example, I just started playing Cyberpunk because like they did the next gen patch right. and it was, it was like 29 bucks to buy. So I was like, all right, I'll give it a shot. And it's fine. Now, mind you, it's a year later, right? So, I mean, I'm playing Cyberpunk now like after they've they've done a bunch of fixes but it's funny how once a game has a certain perception like publicly forever people will think of cyberpunk as this broken shitty game and i'm playing it right now and it's fine <laughs> you know like i'm playing i'm like this this game's okay like the graphics are I'll good i'll be honest with you i played i played cyberpunk on my pc when it came out like in week first week that it came out mm. And I had a I had a blast, man. I had a great time. Uh, yeah, it was buggy, you know, here and there, and it was a little underbaked. Like some features, I, I would have liked added to the game. But if you just kind of play through the main story and go with the game, it's it was still pretty good. I know that consoles were the issue because like PlayStation, like they they didn't even consider PlayStation Four like when they were developing the game. So when it came out, they just didn't think that PlayStation Four is not powerful enough to run it. Yeah. So I'm playing it for the first time. Like, I, I barely watched... I, I saw some funny videos on YouTube of glitches and stuff. Mm -hmm. So now that I'm playing it, like, I like open-world games and things like that. And and to, to me, it's it's perfectly fine. And I think, like, the biggest flaw, again, it's, like, at the top end. It's the company, like, making over-promising, and then people get, like, way too hyped up. Mm -hmm. So I guess in terms of how that sort of works with you guys, having, you know, it's just the two of you and you're making a game, how do you go about setting your limits? Like, because you know, okay, we're just two dudes here, so we're obviously not... Yeah. gonna make Grand Theft Auto so like where do you put the cap on like 
here's what we can reasonably do. Do you start working on things and then go, you know what, that's going to be too much work. Let's scale that back. Or how do you do it? I'd say that definitely the game jams that we did together is a big help when it comes to scope. Because, you know, when you need to come up with an idea for a game that you can develop in one weekend, you have to restrict yourself a lot. Like you have, you, you know, you have all these ideas running in your head. You're like, man, it'll be cool if you can be this and open world and you can yeah. jump and, and glide and stuff or whatever. But at the end of the day, you have to be realistic and be like, okay, what's the product? Like, how can we make it the most concise and, and uh, cohesive as, as possible with the amount of time and resources we have? Do you discover any of that stuff while you're working? Like, is, is there a point where you go like, oh, it's, it's he's just longboards. That should be fine. And then all of a sudden, <laughs> partway through, you realize, oh, this one mechanic is a lot more work than I thought it would be. Yeah, I think it's an everyday process. Like doing the, the game jams will give you enough information so that you know what you're capable of or what someone else is capable of in terms of time. And, and that really gives you like a more predictable timeline of, of what you want to get done and there's many things that you're just guessing all the time mm-hmm. uh, and, and many things that like as a programmer you're just like never handled for example on like steam you know like when you have to put a game on steam you have to make it work nicely with all of the steam features it has for remapping all the controllers and uh, it's an assumption that I know how all that is gonna be working at the code level but I have no idea so there you know how much research are you putting forward uh, and then how much are you actually planning to get done and it's only two of us for a reason and the game was scoped to be that size also because we wanted to take it in an amount of time that was realistic and we really wanted to focus on the gameplay we wanted to make a fun game first and what's a smart way to make a fun game without taking too many uh, animation resources like limit the amount of characters Mm -hmm. and, and limit what you can do and then just pick something that you really want to shine and that's what everybody like usually tells you when you're like joining game development is like focus on a mechanic and, and find the edge of the game and I think this is what they're talking about especially now the conversation that is like shifting a lot about around open world games and, the, and what is an open world game when they give you all the information compared to when they give you non-information and the world makes sense uh, you know around you yeah. so it's all those things well it's a very thoughtful answer I- <laughs> <laughs> Look, I I have no way to segue out of that. We have to listen to another song, and then maybe we can uh, sort of wind down. Is that cool? Sounds good. Sure. All right. Well, this is a neat one from A. Rice. That's A hyphen R E I S, and it's brought to you by my stellar Patreon supporters. In the $25 Club, we got Robert Conglomerate, Sir Micathy, Techno Ben, and Slade. And I hope you dig this. This is A. Rice with Sacrament of the Planets.
And that was Sacrament of the Planets by A. Rice off the album New Horizons. I hope I'm saying that properly. And, uh, of course, that was brought to you by my radical Patreon supporters like Forged in Neon with the 2049, Joshua Winter with the 20, and in the 1988 Club, it's Wayland Kasky Geospatial. And we're back with the guys from Rewind Games, makers of uh, Tanuki Sunset. So it's available on Steam right now, right? Yes. Okay. And then console versions are coming. Coming soon. Coming soon. Perfect. (laughs) Yeah, so is there anything like we didn't talk about that you wanted to talk about, like about uh, the game or whatever? First of all, you know, I want to thank you for having us today on Mm -hmm. everything, Andy, but it was like really nice. Like I think like ultimately, like what we wanted to make with Tanuki was a game that we ourselves wanted to play. We wanted to make a game that we wanted to play after work. And, and, and this also involves a kind of like chilling back and music, mm-hmm. you know, the synth wave and like nostalgia and what that is all about. So I think like, you know, like it all fits together and we're very grateful of like being all part of this like community of yeah. people that appreciate all this style. We're very proud of, of what we achieved. And I would say like our goal initially was to actually release something that we like on the Nintendo Switch, on a Nintendo console. And uh, that's a day that I can't wait enough for to be able to like play back after work and just play some tanuki on my switch (laughs) do you have the oled version i don't i don't it's very nice (laughs) nice. (laughs) (laughs) man i wish they uh they biffed up the the cpu there a little bit though yeah but you know what the screen it makes more of a difference than i thought it would it really surprised me how much of a difference that screen makes Mm -hmm. and uh, especially for metroid looked very nice you know nice deep reds and and blacks and stuff like that. What I'm I saying is you should get a... They should send you one. That should be like a present for like when you develop a game that goes on the console. You should... Uh, yeah, I agree. I mean, if uh, if they're listening, uh, I'm, I'm up for it. <laughs> I'll, I'll take one. I'm, I don't mind. <laughs> so when you're using a development kit for Switch, though, like can you portable mode it? Or does it have to be like plugged in with a cable or something? Yeah, you can use it as a re- like n- normally, like you would use a switch. I, I guess that's the point also. So you can test all the different you know configuration that the switch has. Uh, that also uh, we talked about it earlier about stuff that you have to kind of like take into account when porting to the switch is all those different configurations. You know, when you take the controllers like the Joy-Cons out, and then the switch asks you like, oh, you need to remap like uh, which controller you're gonna use and all that stuff. That's that's also something you have to uh, take into account when porting the game. Do you incorporate any of, like, gyroscope stuff into this game? Gyroscope, no, but we are using the HD Rumble. How do you program for that? Is there, like, a separate program that, like, comes with the development kit where you're like, how does that work? So that's where things probably just get the deepest at the programming level because it's not hard, but, like, Nintendo will give you documents, and this is how you trigger all of those functions on the Switch, but all of those, you know, are usually written in a language that's very, very different from what you're using in Unity, for example. Mm-hmm. So then you, you have to start getting into the in-between and some other programming things called wrappers that from one language you can send like a message to like a different like library that's native on the Switch. And that's usually how on, on the iPhone, you know, you, how you pay with Apple Pay, like it, like from an app. It's kind of like the same 
same structure how on a switch you know you can call and like all these hd rumble functions in the controller you can do and uh, fortunately many of the uh, of the people at unity have done all of this like connection for developers so nintendo will also provide you with like an easier way to access some of these functions but it's just about you have a lot like there's documentation to learn and like pass on but once you know like all those things it's, it's, it's not that bad. I guess I'm, t- I'm trying to put this in terms I sort of understand. Does it work like a plug-in? Like, because obviously, like, the HD rumble is, is something that would only affect the Nintendo Switch. But when you deliver a final product <laughs> that gets downloaded, it's still just, it's one file. So, like, are you coding in Unity adding code to Unity that the Rumble feature will recognize? Or is there, like, a plugin that runs in a folder within the game that's like, this is the the Rumble application that gets triggered? Like, it seems weird to me. Yeah, no, it, it, it it's actually, like, Nintendo will provide you the, you know, the, the service of giving, like, a special version of Unity that will easily compile to their dev kit. Mm-hmm. Ah! So, all those, you know, very low-level things are provided and are easily, like, followed. And, and, and what actually is happening on the real game when you have it, you know, on the Switch and it's, like, calling those libraries... Is like Unity already knows how to package. Like at the, at the moment you you say I'm done with this like game, it's completely finished now. The Unity editor does this compilation process, like many programming apps do, like IDEs, and they just package like those Nintendo specific instructions. Say like like IKEA uh, guides of how <laughs> and they put it inside that like big executable. That's like the big package you end up like downloading. But there's many efficiencies that they do to try to, you know, reduce the size of it. Like if you're not using any of the rest of the libraries that you don't need, then like all that code is really useless. So there's a lot of like optimizations that happen. But yeah, it's a very like at that level, you know, like it gets intricate and sometimes a little bit complex. But it's not like, as I said, it's not that bad. (laughs) Right. (laughs) It sounds very complicated to me. Uh, So... What's the what's the future hold then? Obviously, you guys are still working on porting uh, Tanuki Sunset to uh, the consoles and stuff. But do you guys have ideas for a project down the road, or are you still going to be sort of just supporting this game for a while? Like, what's the plan? That's a good question. <laughs> um, <laughs> Thanks. I mean, uh, you know, uh, ideas we we have a lot of them. Uh, the question is: is first of all, depending on how Tanuki does on consoles, we'll know better how much uh, leeway we have in terms of uh, development coming up. We're both actually working for other companies at the moment, so that limits kind of like the amount of time we have for development. But we we do have a few ideas cooking in the oven that, you know, we might throw quick prototypes just to see if it works, see if it's fun, see if something catches. And uh, yeah, if we strike something that, that seems promising, then um, then we might pursue it. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, I do have something important to say here to mm. everybody that is actually already a Tanuki Sunset player. And that is that, you know, we, like the good thing is you know rewind is only hours and and like the good side also of just having such a reduced number of people involved is that things will happen in the background mm-hmm. you know all, all this time it's all been about the porting and, and and it's been many you know bug fixing and many like intricate like little things that we've been doing for 
the content that like PlayStation wants and like Nintendo needs. But later we're gonna be freed of that burden. So that is gonna definitely make us have more time to bring more content like later. And, and it's a thing that the feeling I just wanna press is, is that it's still there, right? Like, like, like it's just the beginning. And if there's like any other cool things that we want to do, for a sequel, we might do it. Like, you know, it's nothing yeah. that we are done with and like moving on. Yeah. No, I think it's just like, it's going to stay there. And, and there's many bugs. I personally am accountable for needing to fix on the Steam version. You know, there's achievements that don't trigger properly. And may, may, many, like we call them shippable bugs, just because like you got to cut the line somewhere, you know? And so there's really many intentional, like, like and willful things that we want to keep on doing for the future and that I am personally excited. Okay. Uh, so we'll see. We'll see. Awesome. We'll see what happens. Well, look. It was, uh, it was lovely meeting you guys. Thank you. And uh, I hope you have an awesome Vancouver day. <laughs> You're three hours behind me, so you got uh, you got your whole work days ahead of you. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm starting in an hour. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll be eating lunch. What's the weather like over there right now? It seems all right. It's not raining, so that's already good. Yeah, it's been weird here. It like kind of warmed up, and then it went cold again. Do you still have snow? over there there is still snow yes but it's like it's in the process of melting so like the past week it's been like ice mm. it's all very exciting stuff but uh, <laughs> <laughs> so how's the weather yeah yeah uh, that's how i like to end conversations you know like how most people use that as a conversation starter i'm like yeah yeah when i start to get tired it's just how's the weather see ya classic canadian uh yeah Got to go get my Tim Hortons and then uh, <laughs> start editing this interview. So that's my plan. Oh, well, I might, man. I might. <laughs> Ooh, yeah, that's not a bad idea. Eat a French vanilla, man. I've been doing the half and half. I get half French vanilla, half coffee. Oh, that's interesting. I got to tell you, I'm addicted to the breakfast sandwiches. Oh, have you tried the, the roast beef one? No. There's like you? a roast beef breakfast sandwich now, Ooh. and it's uh, it's pretty good. Nice. They squirt a lot of that uh, like mayo kind of cream thing in there too, and it's like with roast beef, but it's in the uh, home style. <laughs> <laughs> home style. Canadian chats. All right. Yeah. yeah. Well, uh, <laughs> you guys have uh, a lovely day, and people, of course, should go check out uh, the game. It's called Tanuki Sunset. You can get it on Steam right now or you can uh, wait and get it on console soon 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 <laughs> all right well it's good talking to you guys <laughs> thanks for having right. us thanks for having us Andy. <laughs> all right and that was my conversation with the gentleman from rewind games and don't forget to check out the game tanuki sunset if that sounds like something you would like and of course that was uh, that whole segment was brought to you by my awesome patreon supporters you know cool people like toots in the 1986 club, Toots is a cool guy, along with Rachel Buchelman and Sarah Buchelman, who occupy the 1985 club. They're very, very cool people. And then, of course, there's Gene Creamer, Private Eye, Mads Baron Christensen, and we will never forget the immortal Chris Solia Lane. So how about we listen to a song, I got a letter to read, and then we'll go chat with Yota. Whoa, my voice just cracked. I should apologize also for this episode being a few days late. I've actually become a live-in nurse. My my dad was uh, had some health issues this week, and uh, I have discovered what it's like to be a live-in nurse to somebody who requires a lot of assistance, and it is uh, very, very, very exhausting, it turns out. Today, it sounds like I have a lot of energy. I'm all just like, but literally for the... <laughs> 
<laughs> for the past six days. It has been so exhausting, and I've been so drained, and I've been trying to work on the show, and I just couldn't because like, there, I just didn't have the energy to do it. But uh, anyway, uh, who cares about that? Let's listen to a cool song because that is what this is all about. So I got one here from Johnny Fallout, brought to you by my awesome PayPals. That's right. Don't forget, you can support Beyond Synth at patreon.com slash beyondsynth, but you can also support Beyond Synth uh, via PayPal. And there's a PayPal me link in the show notes, and you can also just go to beyondsynth.com and click on the PayPal button if you want to keep the lights on in the Beyond Synth studio, and I hope that you do. And I got a little message here from one of my PayPals, Alex Lightspeed, who says, Keep doing your thing, Andy. 1984 Club, because he's in the 1984 Club. He's just invented a club for himself. I mean, I guess that's how clubs start, right? You just make them up. But the king of the PayPals is, of course, Upgrade Jimpy. That's right, Upgrade Jimpy, still the king, but edging ever closer is the Silver Bruce, Ross Bruce himself. Who knows what the future holds for these awesome PayPal supporters. I just realized I probably shouldn't have used the term edging there. Well, let's listen to a song. This is Johnny Fallout with a desperate plan.
And that was A Desperate Plan by Johnny Fallout, which of course was brought to you by my awesome PayPals. That's right, we got Austin Whetstone, Jimmy Groon, The Rasconian, Brandon Morin, Digital Dreams, Gustav Velichek, Dan Williams, Adrian Lawrence, Russell Nyes, Timothy Warwick, Christian Alexander, and Jersey. So thank you all so much for supporting the show. I got a quick letter to read here. This is from Brandon Kellum. Technically not a letter, a SoundCloud comment. So remember a few weeks ago I put out the idea of possibly doing a uh, a Beyond Synth where we actually sort of critique the music, maybe slightly more critically and possibly give some answers to some producers as to why maybe, you know, I haven't played their tracks on the show or whatever, which garnered a very mixed response. Some people are like, I think that'd be a good idea. Some people are like, don't do it, Andy. And uh, Brendan says, it's hard for me to see a show being critical of Synthwave to have much of an upside. But if you think it might work, you should give it a shot and see how it is. If I can be critical, and I feel like an asshole saying anything critical because I do love the show and respect your authenticity around making it, I think if I have a criticism of Beyond Synth, it's that it gets a little too introspective. Like, a good chunk of the show is talking about things you're going to talk about, or spending a segment or two talking about how you were going to record a day earlier, but you couldn't because XYZ. <laughs> this week, XYZ was my dad in the hospital. Uh, so I guess I would recommend just diving into a new approach rather than spending a lot of time on a couple episodes debating whether or not to try it. Sorry if that comes off as dickish. Love the show. I've discovered so much great music here, and I will be back on Patreon soon. Well, thank you. Brendan Kellum has spoken. I'll actually explain myself here, because this is kind of who I am as a person. The reason why I feel the need in every episode to apologize if it's late and explain why is because this show is essentially funded by the listeners, right? And the people on Patreon and PayPal who support the show. So in a way, I almost feel like these reports are like me speaking to my investors at like an investors meeting. You know, when, like, the the studio head of the video game company comes out to say, like, don't worry, Grand Theft Auto 6 is coming sometime, you know, just to, like, ease the investors. Because ultimately, if people are donating money to the show, and there is usually a pattern of that this show comes out once a week. But obviously, when things get a little hectic in my life, sometimes it's more like every eight days or every nine days. And I personally listen to a lot of shows and watch certain YouTube channels that update on a regular basis. And so, you know, when I go to their channel, channel and there isn't an update it just feels like there's something wrong and i also know just from looking at you know other crowdfunded projects or kickstarters that some people and supporters can get really upset when like promises aren't met you know when like people donate to a kickstarter and nothing happens and there's no updates like you just see people just furious like i i gave money to this and like they're not telling us what's going on and there's no updates on the project and so to me it's always just made me feel better because I don't want people to be upset and I don't want people to think like, what the fuck is this? You know, like I donate money to the show and he's just like sitting at home, you know, like we're like the developers of fucking Star Citizen or whatever with like all the money. And it's just like, when's this fucking game coming out? So I never wanted to be that way. And so whenever I explain myself, it's sort of me assuring everybody that, yes, the show is still coming out. It's still in production. If you're worried that it's going to stop, it's just, you know, there was just a little delay. And sometimes when you have to take care of sick relatives, you can't get to the laptop in time to start editing. So hopefully that explains why I do that. I'm a people pleaser. I don't want people to be upset with me and I want to make my investors happy and proud. Although, (laughs) I probably shouldn't call them investors because there's (laughs) absolutely no return on this one. (laughs) 
Because yes, for the most part, I know most of the people who support the show don't care and they're just happy when the show comes out. But to be fair, I do get people sending me messages whenever the show is late going like, where's the show, man? Is the show coming? Where's the show this week or whatever? So that's, you know, I'm trying to quiet that voice. Okay. Anyway, uh, let's listen to another song and then we'll go chat with Yota. So let's listen to this one from The Abyss. This is Slow and Steady.
And that was Slow and Steady by The Abyss. Yeah, that's a cool song. And, uh, well, let's go catch up with Yota. All right, well, I'm here catching up with Yota. How's it going? I'm doing very well, thank you. How are you doing? I'm fantastic. This is the best day of my life. Oh, really? Great. It's the best day of your life. It's like, whoa, okay, great. Yeah, this is something I have to keep saying to myself all the time to uh, stay in a positive mood. I should do that as well. That's a good thing. Maybe like if you say it many times in a row, it actually becomes reality. That's great. Well, I've been told that, right? Don't they say, you know, you got to walk around and if you're not happy, you just smile anyways? And then it will make you happy. Isn't that a thing? Could be, yeah. I think actually there is some kind of connection like with the brain. Like if you smile, then it will like, I don't know how to explain this, but you know what I mean? Some (laughs) connectors there that make you happy in the end. But maybe it depends. I mean, if you're like super sad, I don't think it will work. (laughs) Yeah. Then you need to drink booze and do drugs. Yes, that works, I think. (laughs) (laughs) Do you remember last time we spoke, we talked about alcohol as well? (laughs) Probably. (laughs) There's a pattern here. Well, I I didn't go back and listen. So I'm like, okay, we're going to make sure we don't tread over the same ground. We're going to make sure we talk about all new topics. And then I guess I (laughs) fucked that up within the first minute. So that's good. That's okay. okay. I think we were talking about partying and stuff like that. That was something like that. Well, you seem uh, like a a socialite. You know, whenever I look at your Instagram, you're off on some adventure someplace wearing scarves and shit. (laughs) 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 Exactly. Yes, I kind of, I guess I am, but I would like to be more. Maybe it looks like I'm super active all the time, but I'm not. But I guess, yeah, I hear that a lot, but I would like to be more, much more. But I think when I'm in Sweden, then I'm much more, you know, out there and with friends and going to places and stuff. But in Paris, I'm more, you know, I walk in the park and stuff by myself and cry. No, I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, but it, it keeps me more like focused. So that I think it's a good thing. So sometimes I tend to complain that I'm like, oh, but in Sweden, you know, I have so many friends and I have like this and that. But the thing is that when I'm when I'm in Paris, it keeps me more focused on work. Whereas I'm when I'm in Stockholm, I'm just, you know, all about meeting people all the time and dinners and this and that. And so uh, I think it's a good thing. It's me in Paris. It's me. And I, of course, I have some friends. And then it's the pigeons. I have the pigeons here that I feed every day. <laughs> <laughs> you know? I just realized for the people who don't really understand me or my sense of humor, the fact that you just said I go to the park and cry and I laugh. Yeah. Like, I, for people I, who don't know I me, they're going to be like, what, what, what sort of reaction is that to someone who says, <laughs> I go to the park and cry and then someone immediately laughs at them? <laughs> That's because you're very intelligent because you actually understood that if I would actually go to the park and cry, I would probably not say it now. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. (laughs) And you wouldn't post it on it. Well, that's the whole thing about Instagram and social media, right? You know, we get to play these roles and then people can look at pictures and go, ooh, look at this exciting lifestyle. And meanwhile, we're just sitting on the couch covered in chips. (laughs) 
Exactly. You, on social media, I'm sorry, my cat is insisting he wants to get back in. I'm sorry for that. I will just let him in. He's, he's very stubborn. He's one of my friends in Paris. So anyway, <laughs> yeah, I mean... In, <laughs> What's the cat's name? Watson. His name is Watson. Oh, wait. Yes. Yeah, we talked about this last time. I recognize that name. <laughs> yes. So it's a very British name, isn't it? Yes. There was a Sherlock, but not anymore. Oh. So it's just Watson. Right now is Watson. But I'm thinking about getting him a friend, maybe. It could be nice for him because he's just bothering me now all the time. And I'm like, you know. But yeah. <laughs> what were we talking about? What were we saying? Yes, social media. <laughs> social media. Yeah, of course. You can pretend and you can create an image of you in the way that you want people to perceive you and it's uh, it's it's a bit yeah i didn't care that much before about you know like appearance i mean i did always care about appearance but not that much and now these days and i don't know if it's a good thing if i'm out with friends or something then they would take a picture of me and then i'm like hey 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 hey, hey don't post it anywhere before i have a look at a picture yeah. you know like <laughs> i would be like some kind of like i'm not a superstar i'm not so known but but i'm still like you know becoming more and more that i want to control the image of that i put out that doesn't mean that it's not me i mean i'm not you know creating a something that i'm not but i still want to be in control of that image more than before i don't know if it's a good thing yeah i know i do the same damn thing you do yeah yeah, it feels good to hear oh thank god i was so i was being so ashamed of myself no 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 i mean one i think you have the right that's the thing that pisses me off about social media is that like Mm. the people can share things about you that you didn't have any sort of control over like for me i know i make weird faces and like not every angle of me is good and i've got like a belly and stuff and so like i want to make sure that if someone's about to take a picture i always strike the same pose though as a joke so like whenever people are about to take a picture i do like this model face and i turn my head slightly to the right and i make the same face every time because it's funny to me yeah and it's because it works right and you always look good on your pictures so obviously it works so well it's you know it's like but then there's all these other ones oh like okay my wife took this video the other day and it was so funny but i can't post it because i look horrible because i cut my own hair i've been cutting my own hair for two years yeah it looks okay if you see it from the exact angle you're supposed to see it yeah. from, but yeah. as soon as I have a shower and it's there's no longer any styling product in my hair, yeah, then it just looks weird. Then it's just this chunky mess of just you know just. <laughs> and so she took this video and it was so funny, yeah, because uh, my daughter was being really funny in it, yeah. And I, I'm just like, you can't post this fucking thing. Like, look at my yeah. hair. Like, I look like I had yeah. a bowl cut or something. It was just yeah. t- it was just horrible. Yeah, no, I totally understand. But I mean, sometimes I have like people like like they they have this picture of me and then they post it without asking mm. and i'm like no okay please can you remove it they're like no oh come on you're being silly i'm like seriously i look like shit but they just don't care because they look good on the picture yeah. you, know? <laughs> and then, you know and then they're like oh you're being too you know why should you care i'm like i do care because i don't have any private profile because my on facebook for example my private profile there's i got a lot of like requests from people from the synthwave scene and stuff and music and i just accept them you know yeah yeah i mean if it's just with the family and things like that or friends then okay i don't care that i look bad or something but when it's like 
people that I don't even know, I'm just like, yeah. So these days I'm always like, hey, picture, let me look at it first, please. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, there are some people, they always just look good, you know, like any kind of angle, a picture, whatever. I mean, or I think that this is the case, but this is definitely not the case with me. We had a photo session last week with a designer he had some clothes for me we took some pictures blah 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 and then maybe he took maybe like i don't know like 100 pictures and i, I have to tell you like i look really bad on like 90 of those pictures yeah. maybe <laughs> 93 and then we had seven that were like decent that's what i do usually is i, I mean like whenever i take stupid pictures for social yeah. media like i'm not i'm never really using like proper cameras and stuff but often i'll yeah. just take high resolution video yeah so then i can just scroll through it on the the timeline and just pick the exact frame you where I'm like, oh, that's exactly a good frame. What I do, I do the same. <laughs> I'm like, and I'm telling people about it. I'm like, you know what you can do? That's exactly what I do. <laughs> We're so much alike. So this in a like, sense, you know, yeah. you take like a one minute video and you yeah. have 2000 frames or, you know, pictures to sort of scroll through. And then yeah. the difficulty comes into play when you have two pictures that are very, very similar yeah. and you can't decide between one or the other where you're like, okay, this one, my hand is sort of slightly <laughs> blurry or, you know, but then the face looks a bit nicer and then like, yeah. maybe I'll stitch these two pictures together and... Yeah, and do something. I know I had the picture like that that I posted, but the, it was funny because my one of my fingers looked like super short, like the, <laughs> like the tiniest <laughs> finger, but with a nail, you know, like still, like it yeah, looks yeah. so weird, but I posted it anyway, but then I wrote on the, in the you know, on underneath i said i don't know why my finger looks so short <laughs> i chose the picture because it was okay you know you should just blur out your hand like it's a criminal that could be yeah just just, just put like the, the blur over top of the hand or just <laughs> photoshop one in look listen yes. we got to listen to some music yes in October, you put out Lucid Dreams. Yes. And so uh, we can talk about that. I want to listen to some songs from it. Okay. So how about we listen to The Light of Your Bright Sun, which is a cool track. Yes, I love it. And then we'll uh, we'll keep talking. So this is The Light of Your Bright Sun by Yota. <laughs>
And that was Yota with the light of your bright sun. And I'm here right now catching up with Yota. It's been, has it been like a year and a half? Yeah, I don't remember. <laughs> it was a long time ago. I do remember the interview. We, we had lots of fun. I remember that it was one of the funniest ones that I had because you're, you know, we're just joking and being very silly. It was probably 2021. So you are working on something right now. Exactly. So Hazy Paradise was is actually my third album and then Lucid Dreams is my fourth and uh, Lucid Dreams was released in, was it November last year? And uh, Lucid Dreams uh, seemed to work pretty well. People liked it a lot. I got a lot of like nice feedback and it was released on NRW once again. But now I'm working on my fifth album and I have a couple of the people that I worked with before are going to be on this album as well and then there are some new people as well on this one but it's just the start of the journey okay. so I have some tracks I have maybe two tracks that are finished or one and a half <laughs> and then I have like uh, 30% they here and 30% they're done and stuff like that but there are some new new names on the album as well so I'm really excited to work with them as well I'm always happy when because uh, oftentimes I have guests on the show mm-hmm. and then I'm talking to them about you know another album and then they're like oh yeah and I have another album coming out in like three weeks oh and then I always feel like oh shit and then like we didn't talk about it so I'm happy to hear that you're only beginning to work on this new album so at least yeah. I know it won't be released tomorrow it won't i mean i know that my manager is not going to be happy to hear this because it, I'm, I'm supposed to like you know finish it by the end of the month or something which is not going to happen <laughs> <laughs> i love it. at the end of the month or something <laughs> whatever james james hamilton i'm sorry for this but <laughs> i won't be able to pull it off by the end of the month <laughs> is this how james is going to find out this is the way he's going to find out <laughs> exactly well, look, you can't rush art. I can't. You know what I mean? You got to you got to feel the vibes. Yeah. And uh, you got to produce something that's true. Yeah. And sometimes that takes time. Well, first of all, like Hazy Paradise, I got so much like amazing feedback uh, from Hazy Paradise and Lucy Dreams is the same. And then people are like, "Oh, we're looking forward to hear, you know, your next album and are you going to be able to uh, we look forward for you to keep the level up." Like I I'm just feeling like, "Okay, I need to deliver, you know, like mm-hmm. it needs to be something very good. And I haven't felt 100% like the energy, energy-wise, I've been a bit tired. So I don't know why, maybe the confinement thing. I don't know what it is, but it's, I'm struggling sometimes with just energy, you know. I don't know, maybe I need to start to take drugs or something. <laughs> Honestly, I felt the same way. About drugs? No, no, but... <laughs> No, about, uh, I've been like kind of tired as well. Mm-hmm. And to me, it's like the routine. Mm-hmm. It's weird. Like I've produced a lot of episodes of this show. Yeah. And it's only lately that once like a routine starts to settle in yeah. and I'm not doing anything necessarily like new or exciting in a creative way. Mm-hmm. I don't even mean like, exciting in terms of just something that gets me so interested that I have to be working. You yeah. know, I have to run yeah. to my computer as soon as I wake up because I have to edit this thing or I have to do this yeah. thing. Yeah. And um, I enjoy making the show but when there starts to like be a routine that starts to form I get tired like I turn on the computer and I I can literally have just have woken up I got eight hours of sleep yeah yeah. I go to edit and within like yeah. four minutes I'm starting to like fall asleep again. Yeah. 
And I'm like, oh, no. And some article came up talking about burnout. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, I mean, that seems very dramatic to to say that. And it it makes me feel bad because I I just think of all the people who actually work really hard jobs and go Mm -hmm. like, I don't think Mm -hmm. I have the right to be burnt out. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know, like I make a podcast and, you know, I don't I don't know that I have the right to be. So I refuse to accept that that's what's going on yeah i think you do have the right to feel exactly the way you feel (laughs) you feeling that way is because you are feeling that way and then compared to somebody else yeah maybe maybe it is something like that and it's the same for me I, i feel sometimes it's like oh and i'm like like you say i have slept eight hours even if i wake up four times during the night or yeah, something yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you, do you do do you do the same yes yeah yeah, yeah 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 so like i wake up and stuff like that but then i have been sleeping and i'm like what's wrong what is wrong like why and then, and then sometimes i'm like Ooh, then i have all this energy so it just goes up and down basically so i will give myself some time even if my manager <laughs> not be happy with that yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, will, I will give myself some time and with the songwriting process it's not only that I just press record. In my case, it's I do my recording myself, so I edit. I mean, edit in the sense that I choose the takes that I'm happy with. And if I'm not happy with the take, and I never use auto tuner or something like that, I always record. Even if it's the word, like I can record the same word like 300 times if I'm not happy with it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I bounce everything. So I do all that. That's not rocket science. I'm just saying that I'm doing that. So I don't go to a studio and somebody else records me, so to say. And then there's obviously the lyrics and the writing this the song and stuff. But then it's also all the things around. Because I am the one who actually sends out, you know, the payments to all the producers after I received it from the label or from my manager. So I'm like, hey, you need to invoice me. You need to do this. You need to do that. Like I'm like taking care. And as there are now four albums and different producers. So there's all these things around. And then there's also, you know, just going through the track and I'm like, oh, but can you change there and here and there? So there's all, all these things around that, you know, but I'm not complaining. Sounds like I'm complaining. I'm not well, complaining. It's tricky because there's just these aspects when you are your own business mm-hmm. and I'm a terrible businessman. Mm, are you sure? Yes. And there is... You're very driven. Well, no, it's it's honestly... This sounds fucking corny as hell. It is because I love Synthwave, <laughs> like, and the scene. Yeah. And I've met a lot of awesome people, yeah. you know, doing the show. Because yeah. if I loved mainstream music, yeah. I wouldn't have made this show. I wouldn't have been excited yeah. about the Synthwave scene. Yeah. It was, I was so happy that I all of a sudden discovered, like, oh my God, like, there are yeah. artists and people out there who are making the music I like. Mm-hmm. You know, they're, they're, they're resurrecting things from, you know, the 80s and the stuff I liked in the 90s you know like the electronic mm-hmm. and the synth pop and the mm-hmm. and the you know vangelis and the whatever mm-hmm. and so it got me so excited and so that's why mm-hmm. i actually do it because like i'm always excited to hear the new stuff because mm-hmm. i find it very inspiring so that is why i do it i don't do it to fill out forms no and send emails yeah. and yeah. talk to fucking artists yeah. representation and all this like, like yeah. that's not why I do it like I do it because yeah. I like to have fun conversations with cool people yeah. I tend to get along well with artistic people like I like yeah. having those sorts of conversations they're more interesting to me mm-hmm. but not to fucking fill out tax forms 
<laughs> it's not so exciting, is it? <laughs> I think I found a way to do that because I get like easily extremely bored. So I just try to do just a little bit and then I do something else and then I come back to the thing and then I just like, okay, little by little, basically. If you can, unless you're like, you know, have to do it then and there. Now, is it tricky to type on your keyboard with those little fingers? <laughs> yes, with the little <laughs> with the half finger. <laughs> that is like very difficult. <laughs> <laughs> you have to go back and look at it. It's on my Instagram. It's one of the pictures where I'm sitting on the the green sofa, and if you look at one of my fingers, it looks such. A, it looks so funny. But I was like, I'll post it because it was like the only kind of like decent. Picture. Are you are you holding a laptop? Yes. Okay, hold on. Let me look. <laughs> it doesn't. Nothing looks off to me. It, looks it okay. does. Isn't there two pictures? There's two. Yeah. What's what's the finger that's the problem? Let me go back. I have to go back and check. This looks go. fine. If I looked at this picture, my first instinct wouldn't be to say what's with the fingers. No, look at it. Yes, no, it's the <laughs> finger. How do you say it? it's the finger that the the one that you point at somebody with? Well, it is index finger. Is yeah, that yeah. how it's called? Look at the index finger that is holding the computer, the laptop. Look at it. <laughs> do you see? I honestly, this doesn't look weird to me. It does. <laughs> No, it doesn't look weird. Uh, okay, you know what? Let's ask other people. They can email me or, or message you or something. No, 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 This no, is no. a very important topic. No, it, is, <laughs> it looks fine to me. I, like, okay. honestly, I would, uh, if I spotted something, because my eye always goes directly to if there's something weird about a photo, yeah. like I will instantly yeah. go there. Yeah. No, nah, your hand looks fine. Okay, great. Thanks. <laughs> okay. Well, how about yeah. we celebrate this awesome moment by listening to another song? I want to listen to uh, One by One. Yeah. Yeah. Which is a cool track, and it's a Biota.
And that was Yota with the track One by One from the album Lucid Dreams. And I'm here right now catching up with Yota. We're talking about taxes and... Uh, royalties. Royalties, that's statements. right. Statements, royalties. Yeah, state- I've received the statements and then I pay, you know, we get royalties basically. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You see, I'm I'm not so interested in that topic either. It's like all the paper. As soon as I'm thinking about paperwork, it's like yeah. If I could find someone who could do all the back end, like I'm very fortunate. I do have some people who help out. Yeah. Shout out to Christian Quello. <laughs> He's been helping me write the episode descriptions when the episodes post and getting the artist links and stuff for me. And yeah, which I which is another thing that I used to do. So there's all these procedures, you know, like every week yeah. it's like okay, I got to make a little Photoshop picture for the yeah the episode, and then I have to write this thing, and then I have to post in Facebook. And, and no one fucking sees Facebook posts anymore. So it just feels like a huge waste of time. Like just like putting all these links in there for like two people saw this thing and it got like three likes. And it's like, then what is the point? It's the same on my Facebook as well. <laughs> it's the same. It's so annoying. They just think you have to pay. It yeah. sucks. It really yeah. sucks. One of these days, if I ever run into a whole bunch of money, yeah. I'm going to pay like a fucking $40,000 and then you're just going to see me everywhere. Yeah. Just every Facebook page, it'll be like the top update and it'll just be me giving the finger. and <laughs> A short or long one. Yeah, and yeah. with nail polish or not with that. It doesn't matter. I'll Photoshop it to be super long. <laughs> Which <Okay>. is... <laughs> there's a quote. <laughs> We're, t- we're talking about fingers, okay? We're talking about fingers, nothing yeah, yeah. else. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Oh. Oh, <laughs> no, no amount of Photoshop can actually help me there. So. <laughs> so what's been going on in your life? You know, we haven't spoken in a year. I know we're pretty much just inside the whole time, but uh, yeah. certainly has anything interesting happened? Yeah, I mean, I've been very uh, happy with the album. It was released and I'm really happy with the label and our W and I I love the feedback when we released the album. They, I had this live chat with the fans on the new Retrowave channel on YouTube. I love that. That was amazing. Like those kind of things were really like uplifting. But then it has been, of course, in France, you know, with the COVID situation, it has been the way it is, you know, complicated and things have been closed and things like that. But yeah, I've traveled a little bit, though when they open up, you know, and when we could travel. So I've been in Sweden, visiting friends and just working and then just actually communicating a lot with people, like a lot of people that I got to know thanks to the releases, you know, of my albums that I started, you know, people like you that interviewed me or other people that I worked with and stuff like that. So I spend way too much time on social media (laughs) talking to people which is nice, but I, I think I should think about focusing more on working <laughs> instead. Yes. And yeah, I'm going to go to Amsterdam now on Saturday. That's going to be great. So Ooh, smoke gonna... some weed? Ah, I, I don't smoke weed, actually. But yeah, otherwise it would be great, right? Well, <laughs> it gives me strange thoughts. Yeah, yeah, no, it does the same for me. Did we talk yeah. about this before? I feel like if we got on the alcohol topic before, we probably <laughs> talked about weed because it's the I same. I think we did. I think we same. did. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I'm, one, I, I'm uh, one of those uh, anxious fellows. Me too. So when I, uh, when I smoke it, I don't have fun, which is I mean, 
neither. It just makes me feel like I think, and I think I said that in the other interview. <laughs> it made me feel like my soul was going to thousand pieces, and yeah. I needed to gather them like broken glass all over the floor. You know, felt like that. And then I just <laughs> had to pick up my soul like piece by piece and try to put it back together. It was a really weird feeling. So no, thank you. But I will go there, and and uh, there's going to be a synthwave DJ set. Uh, Laurent Lifelike is headlining, so I'm going to go there. I'm going to bring some friends with me as well. So that's going to be nice. Oh, that's yeah. fun. Yeah. I got to have that dude on the show sometime. I keep on forgetting the... You should. You should. He's a, he's a nice guy and, and uh, <laughs> he, he speaks English, you know. <laughs> Every time you're releasing these albums yeah. and you're seeing the response that, uh, that you yeah. get, and obviously on Bandcamp, you know, when people say like their favorite tracks and, yeah. and when you're talking uh-huh. to people. So does that ever influence like when you do a new album, you go, mm-hmm. oh, people really liked, mm-hmm. you know, the fast paced tracks or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like, does that make you go, maybe mm-hmm. I should throw a few more on or do you still just sort of do what you want to do or mm-hmm. how? How does that work? You're asking me if I'm a sellout or not. (laughs) (laughs) I'm the biggest sellout there is. No, no, actually, yeah, uh, partially, yes. But with that said, partially, yes, I'm thinking about it. And especially with this album, because I am looking back at the tracks that people really like. And then I'm like, okay, but if that's what they like, maybe we should add one or two more of those kind of tracks. Because it's not a sellout, because I made those tracks and I made them because I loved to record them. I was vibing with the track and I felt good and I recorded it and I love the mood so why not do it again so it's not a problem for me to do that but then it's not like I'm thinking each one of the tracks that I need to be you know exactly like this for people to like it no I still have the you know I still do just I need to vibe with the track I need to feel that I'm vibing with the track and it gives me you know the melodies melody ideas and I need to feel the track but I do think a little bit of like like, for example, you know, one of the tracks that I made that worked really well is Limelight. And uh, I'm thinking, I mean, it would be great to have something like Limelight, but that doesn't sound like Limelight, but with the same kind of energy. Mm-hmm. Definitely. And I do love the uh, more slow tracks, but I can't just have all these slow tracks either. I need to have some up-tempo tracks. So, yeah, I'm thinking about it. But if there's something I can't do is to record something that I don't vibe with. I I could pull it off, but it wouldn't be good. Yeah, I think people sometimes confuse what the term selling out means. Because it's like, to really sell out means to do something you don't like. Mm-hmm. For mm-hmm. money, yeah. like if you're totally against cigarettes, yeah. and then you take money and sell cigarettes to people, like that's like yeah. if it's against your soul. Yeah. Like if I was doing like new features on the show, and like literally yeah. everyone messaged me and said, "Andy, this sucks," I would stop doing it. Exactly. Unless yeah. Yeah. the idea of doing it really made me laugh, knowing that it was annoying yeah. people, which might be yeah. funny to me as well. Yeah. Yeah. But most of the time, I'm like, I want people to 
is the, is the term people pleaser. Like, I don't want people yeah. to be mad at me or like yeah. to think of me as someone who's doing something that's like annoying them. And so, yeah, of course, if I have enough feedback in a particular direction, a, a lot of the issues I've had in the past is whenever I would ask the audience for what they were thinking, I would just get basically 50 50 half saying they don't like a thing and half saying they do mm-hmm. like a thing. Mm-hmm. And then I'm just left going, what the fuck am I supposed to do with this? Because <laughs> like, yeah. you know, I'll say, like, you know, how do you guys like this new feature? And some people will yeah. say, oh, I don't like it. Don't do it ever again. And other people go, it's my favorite thing. And then I'm like, yeah, OK. <laughs> yeah, that's the tricky part because you have people saying, OK, I like this or like that. They can differ so much. I, I mean, the core, you have to do something that you like. But then I don't think I don't see that there's anything wrong with trying to make people happy if you are happy at the same time. I mean, I have to write the song, so I need to feel happy with them. Otherwise, like I said, I did back in the days wrote some tracks where I didn't actually feel the track, you know, but I did it anyway and it, it wasn't good. No. <laughs> uh, so, <laughs> so it's uh, I need to. But I mean, I I mean, if I can make people happy and, and deliver something that they want to hear then I'm super happy and I'm I put a lot of time into answering people and fans and I think they're so sweet like amazing like 97 98% of the people that write to me are really nice and then you have maybe 2% that are not nice well maybe even 1% or something but otherwise in general so why I want to make them happy course but i will not change something you know in the core just to make them happy of course not yeah yeah but i tell you what would make me happy tell me listening to this track run away mm-hmm. yes <laughs> so let, sorry so let's do that let's uh, let's listen to this this is run away by yota
Okay, give me two seconds. I have to yell at a dog. Yes. <laughs> My neighbor's dog barks, but I learned that I can make it shut up if I yell at it. Really? Yeah. His name is Petey. Petey. Here we go. <clears throat> Petey! <laughs> 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 oh, for fuck's sakes. Did it work? That was funny. He's like, <laughs> like, actually, it's not a doggy. It's like your imaginary friend. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you're like, shut up. And you you hear him everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> Petey tells me to do things. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, God. <sighs> well, that's fun. So the bottom line is that you, uh, you made lucid dreams. What was the theme? Was this album have a theme? Do you like lucid dreaming? <laughs> No, I hate it. <laughs> no, I, yeah, I do. Yeah, I do like uh, lucid dreaming. And I remember I had one where I was flying above um, a city that looked like New York, you know, with the skyscrapers. And, and like, I could really fly exactly where I wanted. And I could like fly higher or lower. And I was totally in control. And I felt so, you know, I wasn't afraid of anything. And I felt free. And it was amazing because it was so realistic. It was extremely extremely realistic i could see things in detail and i had other lucid dreams like that as well and the thought with the, behind lucid dreams is that what if lucid dreams actually is a part of a reality what if that is a reality in itself or like who says that it's not and what if you want to achieve something and you are not able to do that and when you're in a waking state what if you enter a lucid dream and somehow you could you know change the outcome of a situation is there a way like a path or that would lead to something very interesting and, and give you bring you the results that you want to achieve or it's just like a kind of like a magical state and no I'm not smoking weed <laughs> I felt that you were thinking Woo! <laughs> I haven't had a lucid dream since I feel like high school mm-hmm. I had one but I'm a mm-hmm. guy so immediately when I realized I had control mm-hmm. of the dream my first instinct was to immediately go have sex with some lady with but then I woke up yeah. it's like the second I understood I was in control of the dream I'm like oh oh better go have sex like that that was like the first thing I had to do and then the second I started then I just woke up oh that's boring the dream is just sort of like yeah fuck you you get out of here you pervert you know what I mean like they didn't want me to enjoy myself <laughs> yeah <laughs> so, oh, that's so funny. So that's the only time. That's the only time you remember that you had yeah. a lucid dream. And I mean, to be honest with you, if I had a lucid dream today, mm-hmm. I'd probably do the exact same thing. I think so too. I, I mean, I think <laughs> flying is fun and all that. Yeah. But, uh, you know, if you can have some like consequence free, weird lucid dream sex, you might as well go ahead and do it. <laughs> lucid sex (laughs) but the problem is yeah like i I think i have like so much shame like built into my brain yeah that even in like the dream state my brain won't allow it just be like you perv yeah wake up you dummy and then like i wake up and so maybe i should try flying yeah it's maybe then you could actually you know it it wouldn't stop there you could continue yeah but yeah i guess your subconscious is just stepping in like a police you know like hey (laughs) what are you up to man (laughs) You stop this immediately. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, like I remember watching videos and stuff about trying to train your brain in order to get into lucid dreaming. Like the whole, you know, you walk around all day going, is this a dream? Is this a dream? And then once you're dreaming, you might ask that question and then go, this is a dream. And then what kind of videos? (laughs) I'm joking. Yeah, mostly just porns. (laughs) Yeah. 
<laughs> you want to make it sound more. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. Know, you know? Sorry. That's pretty much, that's all I watch. And I just like try to tell people like I'm some intellectual. They're just like, yeah, exactly. oh, what do you think about Immanuel yeah. Kant? And I'm like, oh, well, I, I know all about uh, uh, exactly. Truffaut and this. And then like, meanwhile, I don't know anything about all that. Oh God! But maybe is there, is there there is really a way to train to in order to I yes. Didn't know so that. so yeah, because the premise is because mm. in your dream mm. you have to understand that it's a dream. Mm-hmm. Now, usually doing that breaks the reality of the dream, and then you wake up because you know how in your dream state mm-hmm. the weirdest things are going on, yeah. but you think it's real. Yeah. So like you never question it. It's just like oh my house is an elephant. Yeah. And then you're sitting there worried and totally stressed out that you you're gonna lose the elephant elephant because the government doesn't want you owning an elephant and you're just like yeah but i live on this elephant yeah and then you wake up and like what the fuck like how did i not know yeah. that that's an absurd situation so yeah if you walk around all day in real mm-hmm. life and go mm-hmm. is this a dream am i dreaming yeah. and it becomes part of your regular routine mm-hmm. then eventually it's part of your regular routine which means you might say it while you're dreaming mm-hmm. okay. right because it's something you say all the time yeah and then yeah. if you're dreaming and you go is this a dream and you mm-hmm. actually are dreaming then you go this is a dream. Mm-hmm. And then you head straight for a brothel. <laughs> and what's next? I'm joking. <laughs> yeah. And then you wake up. And then me. you wake up. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. man. Oh, my, my subconscious will be like, you know, brothels are illegal in this state. And then like, <laughs> or whatever. Exactly. Are they? Well, we don't have states here. I, actually, I don't even know what the rules of brothels are in Canada. Oh, you're not updated. No, I'm not really a brothel guy. <laughs> I'm more of a stay at home and edit a podcast guy and play PlayStation. So that's, that's my life. Okay. Oh God. How come we always tend to, you know, we always end up in this kind of like talking about parties and drugs and sex. I think it was the same last time. I think, uh, it's because you're European. Yeah. I feel like I'm like, it's it's more comfortable talking about those topics with like European guests. Yeah. Yeah. They have a different attitude towards these sort of things. You know, over here, we're all so full of shame and we all wear sheets and stuff when we go to bed. Oh, wow. So we don't have to look our wives in the face. Oh, God. Okay. <laughs> here we are very, yeah, liberated. Yeah. Like we say in Swedish, swinglish, liberated. Yeah, I've heard that from others as well that you guys think that we're very, you know, it's very, it is very relaxed here. You well, know? I think it's because when I was young and I visited France and Europe and stuff, mm-hmm. they would like have nudity in the commercials. Mm-hmm. I remember seeing like a commercial for milk and this lady just went and got milk at nighttime and she, her boobs were out. <laughs> That's super bizarre though. <laughs> or maybe it was for yogurt. It's very important. Was it for yogurt or for milk i don't know oh man <laughs> she was going into the fridge and i just remember thinking like oh okay like that's cool like <laughs> <laughs> that is so weird because there's nothing cooler than boobs am i right yota am i right you are right okay <laughs> where's the drum roll <laughs> <laughs> that, that is so weird so she went to the fridge to get some milk and then she had her boobs out yeah that's totally yes. not normal yeah but why not i mean if you sleep naked yeah it's maybe yeah i mean i think the point the point was just that oh like that's a pretty mature commercial yeah you know what i mean like mm-hmm. uh you know we 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 hide everything in innuendos over here yeah and it definitely was a good commercial because you remember it but i don't remember what it was for so i guess that makes it a bad commercial <laughs> 
<laughs> if the whole point of a commercial is for me to go buy a product, I don't know if I'm supposed to go buy milk or yogurt now. <laughs> and this was also 30 years ago, so yeah. there's an issue that the yogurt might be bad. It sounds like a, a commercial from, you know, yeah, from the uh, 90s, 80s thing, because they were like, in Europe, you could have some pretty funny commercials. I don't think we see them, those kind of commercials here anymore. Uh. But I, when I've seen, you know, you can watch those on YouTube and stuff like that. They're pretty weird <laughs> at times. Yeah, because we would always, and then we would have like shows over here sometimes mm-hmm. where it's like, you know, the wacky band European commercials yeah. or whatever. And they would have like this collection yeah. of these things. Because over here, like yeah. our commercials were never that interesting. They were weird sometimes. Like we'd yeah. have kind of weird ones. Yeah. Uh, but never, uh, never naked ladies. Naked ladies like that. Yeah. It's interesting here because I think there's... There is a relaxed like the view on you know sex and things like that but at the same time it's not like in your face kind of thing like you can see in the states i think mm-hmm. yeah. it's like you know tits there and asses there and you know everything is like kind of like <laughs> that sounds like my kind of place yeah that's <laughs> that brothel of yours darling yeah. no, but, no but it's like it feels like in this like sometimes i get the image like in the states for example no i'm not no i but sometimes i get the feeling that you know it's very uh, sexualized and it's kind of content i'm not talking about the entire states but sometimes you can see those kind of images and it's like very sexualized and it's very kind of like vulgar sometimes as it's like breast and ass and this and that and the thing but at the same time there's like a censorship and it's 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 a bit bizarre well this is what happens when you don't have like a healthy attitude towards sexuality yeah, yeah. so then it becomes like perverse right because if you can't talk about yeah. it and we don't yeah. accept that these are like sort of natural yeah. things and you yeah. Human behaviors. Yeah, there's not so much shame. There's no shame around. Exactly. And that's what I, you're totally right. And that's what I feel that the view here is more like relaxed with sex and things, but it's not vulgar. And right. people yeah. do not have to like talk about it all the time or, you know, post things or like it doesn't have to be sexualized because it's just a part of, you know, a normal life. Mm. There's no shame around it, but it's at the same time. We don't like to be vulgar about sex here, I think, neither in Sweden or in France, for example. I think it's kind of like a, there's some kind of, I don't know. I'm not going to use the word class, but it's it's a way. It's a nice, <laughs> it's a nice relaxed elegance. Elegance, bah voilà, elegance. It's, and I ah, that's actually makes me think of a friend of mine that told me that he learned about sensuality when he moved to Europe. <laughs> <like>, Chocolat. <laughs> yeah, that was something that he learned a little bit more about when he moved here. Mm. And you're like, <laughs> no, I'm, I'm just like, what the hell is that? Is that when you like sit around like eating chocolates with a lady with like the moon in the background? It doesn't have to be. Yeah, no, <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't have to be. I don't know. It's maybe I don't know. Like, do you want me to tell you? Uh, no, I'm good. <laughs> Like, it's more about, like, like, it's a touch, for example, or just not, like, bam, boom, like, tits and ass and this and, sorry. Which Mm. it can be, like, the touch or the, 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 the look (laughs) in somebody's eyes, or it sounds so cheesy. Whatever. You know what I'm talking about. (laughs) I enjoy having you on the show. (laughs) I enjoy being on the show. How about this? Do you want to pick a song from uh, Lucid Dreams to play, and then maybe we can kind of wind down? Oh, God. Which one shall I pick? Yeah, of course. Yeah. Let me just think about which one shall I pick? Oh, God. (laughs) Why not Blame Me? Blame Me? Yes. Let's do it. This is Blame Me. (laughs) 
by Yota. <laughs>
And that was Yota with the track Blame Me from the album Lucid Dreams, which you can go pick up at New Retro Wave. <laughs> and uh, she put that album out just at the end of last year, and we've been catching up with uh, Yota, having a good time, talking about... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Yogurt. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, what's uh, what's coming up? You got, uh, obviously, you said you were starting to work on a new album. You got some yeah. tracks. Is there anything you can say, or is it all secret? All of it? No, it's not. We don't care. <laughs> I'm joking. No, it's not secret. I have Tommy86 on the album. He's a French guy called Frédéric. And then I have uh, Lifelike, Laurent, of course. Then I have uh, Stefan that I made Limelight with and a bunch of other tracks. There's Brandon from um, Night Drive as well. And then there is ah, a new producer, Sergei Ledovsky, a guy from um, San Francisco uh, that sent me a synthwave track. So there's like a bunch of different producers and some additional, there will be some additional ones. So there's like, actually like so many different producers that's going to gonna be on the album. And the uh, theme, I should keep that a bit secret, but Ooh. let's say that it's dark and it's mysterious. Ooh. Yeah. And that's what I'm working on and I'm trying to gather that energy we were talking about not having always that you know energy to I don't know why but it goes up and down so I'm just trying to gather and have the right mindset to, to but it depends on the day but I'm just not gonna rush things that's right to the dismay of Mr. Hamilton yes Mr. Hamilton uh, do not listen to this <laughs> yeah <laughs> Don't you worry, know, no, James, no one listens to this. You don't have to worry about it. Nobody listens to this. No, no. no. Okay. <laughs> There's great. about eight people. It's just you and me and your imaginary friends. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, <laughs> you, me, and Petey. <laughs> Are you gonna? Is it gonna be? Is it gonna be a part of the show when people hear when you when you're shouting at Petey or not? That depends. <laughs> we'll, we'll see if it makes the the, uh, the edit. Okay. Well, look, it was uh, it was lovely to catch up with you. I guess we'll have to have you on again when uh, you come up with the uh, the new album. Yes, it was great to be on the show. Thank you, and it's always like such you're such a funny and nice person so I really appreciate it and enjoy this it feels a little bit like sparkles or like a party you know I like when people describe uh, the feeling <laughs> sparkles that's a, that's a good one yeah like sparkles what do you call these things when you when you light this kind of thing and it looks like a sparkle we have that for Christmas in Sweden for New Year's that you hold this stick and it's like sparkles yeah they're, they're just uh, sparkler candles yeah so you have that energy about you well it's all an act it's just a thing I pretend to do. Normally, I'm just walking around deeply depressed. But like, once the microphones turn on, yeah. man, I'm on fire, you know. Okay. But you know, but it helps to talk to awesome and fun people like yourself. Yeah. Thank you so much. <laughs> That's the glue that keeps this show together. Oh, amazing. Thank you so much. And yeah, you you know, I I really enjoy this. So just let me know whenever if you want me want me on the show next week. I'm joking. Yeah. <laughs> Is that when the album comes out? Yeah, that's when the album comes out. Yeah. In one week. <laughs> <Why not? laughs> well, you have a lovely uh, French day and go out and get some, uh, I don't know. I, was, I, I don't want to talk in cliches. I'm going to be like, go get, get a baguette. Uh, but I mean, uh, you know. I am going to go out. I'm going to have Greek food, though. So, yeah, I'm going to go out with some friends because I have such an exciting life. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hey, that's more exciting than mine. I have, like, literally not done anything. No? I went to one show and... 
that's pretty much it. Oh, Maybe that's why I'm tired. It's the beginning of the day for you, though, so all good. Yeah, but I mean, I don't plan on doing anything for the rest of the day other than <laughs> editing a podcast. That sounds okay. Could be that's worse. Okay. Well, you know, right? I could be having Greek food with my friends. That's true. In Paris. Ask it. What was his name? Pete, if he wants to have some food. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's a dog, so I think he can just eat kibble or whatever the fuck they eat. I don't know. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank you. <laughs> okay. Uh, okay. Thanks so much. Bye. All right, and that was my catch-up with Yota. See, you got a nice big show this week. It's a few days late, but there's lots of stuff, so hopefully that keeps you all satisfied. So, look, I hope you are all doing as okay as you can be, and thanks for listening to the show. Don't forget to check out uh, Tanuki Sunset. Don't forget to check out Yota, and uh, I will talk to you soon on Beyond Synth, the best synthwave chat show there is. Thanks for listening Beyond Synth is made possible by the supporters on Patreon and PayPal. If you enjoy the show, please consider becoming a supporter at patreon.com slash beyondsynth or donating via PayPal at beyondsynth.com. If you want to submit music to the show, please email beyondsynthsubmissions at gmail.com. Don't forget to follow and subscribe to Beyond Synth on YouTube, Instagram, Twitch, Twitter, and Facebook. May the Force be with you.